tonight um, we're going to do uh, a little study on preparing or preparation for 40 days of fasting for our nation. And I actually thought it would be cool to maybe start off in the book of uh, Joel, if you have a, a Bible. Let's open up there to Joel chapter 1. And as you're turning there, let me share uh, like a little illustration about this. Um, you know, fasting at the end of the day is like seeking God with all your heart. Like totally, just totally seeking God. I mean, to the point where... You know, you skip a meal or you skip a couple of meals or how crazy it would be to go a day without food or maybe days without food. Think about that. And so, um, you know, s when you think about like seeking God, I, I think there are some Christians who say, well, we always seek God, don't we? Don't we always seek him wholeheartedly? A and the truth is, yes. But let me give you a comparison. It's kind of like you're running a race. And remember, the Christian life is not a sprint. It's a marathon. So as you're running your race, you're keeping your pace, uh, you're trying to do it in a wise way. But then there are times in the race where you go faster. There are times where you make a move for that position. You know, you step on the gas, like the, the race car drivers. You guys have seen those guys, right? They're going the laps and then eventually there comes a time where they have to go a little faster in order to get a, a certain lead or a position. In, in one sense, that's what fasting is. We're always seeking God with all our heart. But then there are, there are those seasons, there are those times where God says, okay, I want you to set aside uh, a, a certain amount of days or this is how I want you to do it. And he'll give you the divine details. And you step on the gas and you deny yourself and 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 you're just really like concentrating completely on him in a different way and so you know in one sense you're taking something away a lunch hour a breakfast you know time maybe dinner you're taking it away and you're replacing that time that half hour whatever it was with time with the lord and that that's one way where just right off the bat you're going to be blessed but then in another way, you're denying your flesh. You know, whenever you say no to yourself, you're going to experience something good. And, you know, you, we're, we're so used to feeding ourselves. We're so used to eating. You know, I don't know about you, but I, I love food. You know, and when you read the Old Testament, the Jews had seven feasts or seven feast days, we, they're called, seven holy days. And out of all those holy days, six of them were feast days where they grubbed, where they ate, man. But then only one was a fast, the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. And so I don't want to make you guys weird. I don't want to be weird or anything. But I think that um, for us, you know, generally speaking, we eat, we fellowship, we break bread together. We enjoy the blessing of life, Right. But then there's that one-seventh of a time. There's that minor, you know, portion of our life. We're not going to be like the Pharisees. The Pharisees, they fasted every Tuesday and Thursday, and they thought they were right with God. We're not going to be like that. But, but those times where God calls us to fast, you know, we will. And so, you know, I pray you guys, uh, you give it a shot. I don't know how it's going to work for you. I don't know if it'll be a meal a day. I don't know if it'll be, you know, Starbucks or tortillas. I don't know. 
um, how it's going to work for you at television. Um, some people, uh, they watch a lot of television. And I tell you, you can change your life by turning that TV off or maybe just watching things that are just completely edifying. Um, it's so cool in, in my house, those times where the TV is off and we're just talking or we're just praying or we're just seeking the Lord or reading a book or something. So the Lord will show you. One thing I want to ask, if it's okay with you, is sign up for um, this to, to be with us. So we're going to send you a link, or hopefully tonight we're going to get it on our website on the sign-ups page. If you would, just sign up to receive a daily email, and for the next 40 days, we'll send you um, articles, we'll send you audio, we'll send you video, we'll send you interviews, we're, we'll send you uh, links to things that basically, in one sense, we're praying is that God hear our cries, we want to get close to you personally, but we want to experience your grace nationally. And so we're going to talk a lot in the next 40 days in these emails that we're going to be sending to you. Um, we're going to be talking a lot about how we want America to be that Judeo-Christian nation it was in the beginning, that God would turn this nation back to him. And it begins with prayer. It begins with the individuals. It begins with your families. But then it spills over into society. You know, one of the big things that we're struggling with now is abortion, right? And so there's a big move uh, to get the right people elected and to, to you, know, you know, do the, the legislation. Imagine if we got a conservative uh, judge in the Supreme Court. I mean, it's not too far-fetched to say that God can actually overturn Roe versus Wade, right? Um, and so we will do everything we can within the parameters of the law. Romans chapter 13, it talks about that. And we've actually got a government that's established for us. You know, Paul utilized the law in order to share the gospel. So there's nothing wrong with that. You know, and so maybe we can get leaders like our president. It's really cool the way that he's fighting the funding of Planned Parenthood. That's very practical. Those are very practical things. But at the end of the day, if, the, if, if abortion isn't legal, they'll still get an abortion. Many of them still will. You guys know that, right? Because the, what, has to re what really has to change is the heart. So I'm not saying we shouldn't change these things through legislation because we should. I think it, it creates an influence. It tells our kids that it's wrong. It sends a message. So we'll do everything we can to fight it through legislation. But we have to focus as a church also on salvation. And I remember, uh, you know, a story uh, not too long ago about a, a gal that got pregnant. You know, she, she wasn't married. And, you know, her heart was pretty much set on having an abortion. And so one day she's in the car and she's riding uh, with her mom. And her mom is saved. Her mom loves the Lord. Her mom is praying for her children. Her mom has experienced this thing called salvation. And as they're driving in the car, the mom turns on the radio, and they're listening to Christian radio. They're listening to a message. And, uh, uh, and the radio was coming out a message about how God loves the children, about how God has a plan for this child. Um, before time began, the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, 
I mean, just it was a, it was like a message that was so personal to the daughter. And as she was contemplating this abortion, she heard God speaking to her, telling her not to. Well, how did that happen? It happened because mom was saved. It was through salvation. And then, you know, she decided not to get the abortion. And praise God, because, man, God has gotten a hold of her heart and her children's heart. And it's just a beautiful story. And so we're, we're trying to do this from both sides. You know, our nation needs God. Our nation needs Jesus. And, you know, the Bible says in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, that the way that God will heal our land is if we humble ourselves, and that's in reference to fasting. And if we pray, we turn from our wicked ways, and we seek him, it's then that God will heal our land. Notice what we read here in Joel. I have to get a light. Hold on just a second. <laughs> Here we go. Joel, uh, chapter 1, he says in verse 14, Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Look, if you would, in chapter 2, in verse 12 of Joel, it says, Now therefore, says the Lord, Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, and it's so cool to see the children here tonight, and, and nursing babies. Let the bridegroom go out from the chamber and the bride from her dressing room. Let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, Spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach, that the nations should rule over them. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? Now be honest. The people in the world today, when they uh, have the concept of America, they think we're Christians, even though we know better. But the world says, Well, their country is predominantly followers of Jesus. So what kind of witness is it when we're fighting, when we're protesting, when all these crazy things are going on, when we're so sinful, all the things that are going on in our world, when we kill so many babies, and then they see God judging us, they see these things happening, what kind of witness is that? They're, the nations are looking and saying, where's your God? That's what's happening today. He says, if we fast, if we repent, if we turn, if we are serious, and, and it always starts with the church, because a lot of times even in the church, there's, we're not really seeking the Lord wholeheartedly. There's sin. We're holding on to it. And we're saying grace, 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 grace. And God is saying, you know, in Romans chapter 6, shall you continue in sin that grace may abound? Shall you continue in sin and expect me to bless you? or your family, or your church, or your country? 
Absolutely not. The, the whole concept of fasting is, is, is cemented with the concept of holiness, of wholeheartedly seeking God. And the promise is, if you seek him like that, God will relent from the harm. You know, we even see it in the pagan nation of Assyria. When Jonah was sent to Assyria, and he told them, you know, the message is simple. God told Jonah, even though Jonah didn't want to go, Jonah eventually went because he got vomited by a fish, remember, onto the sand. And when Jonah went there, he said, 40 days and the Lord will judge Nineveh, right? And what happened? From the top to the bottom, all the people, they dressed in sackcloth and ashes. They turned from their sins. And the Bible says that God relented from doing harm. It, it was intended. America is already experiencing an aspect of judgment. If you read Romans chapter 1, the whole uh, world of homosexuality, that is the judgment of God. Because God would restrain a Christian nation from things like that. But then when God begins to judge, you start seeing all those things happen. And there in the bottom of Romans chapter 1, it says that what happens is the people, they not only approve of that type of conduct, but they applaud it. So that is the beginning stages of the judgment of God. So you guys know, huh? God is already judging our nation. God is already moving us to a place where we become the tail, not the head. Other nations will rule over us, right? So that's what we're experiencing. But if we, if we repent, if we fast, if we seek him, if we pray, if we turn from our wicked ways, then there's hope. And I believe that right now is we're in, we're in that place. You know, Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 1, it says the people fasted as a sign of national repentance. And so I believe that that's what we need to do. You know, someone might say, well, the United States of America is not Israel. Um, but, you know, we see that happen to Assyria as well. I like what we read here. It says, in general, we must hold that Whenever any religious controversy arises, which either a council or ecclesiastical tribunal behooves to decide, whenever a minister is to be chosen, whenever, in short, any matter of difficulty and great importance is under consideration, on the other hand, when manifestations of the divine anger appear as pestilence, war, famine, the sacred and salutary custom of all the ages has been, for pastors to exhort the people to public fasting and extraordinary prayer. And so you've been running, and you've been seeking the Lord, but now it's time to make a move. Now it's time to do something different. You know, insanity, you guys have heard the definition, right? It's doing the same thing, expecting different results. We have to do something different, and God will show you how to fast. Uh, I tell you, man, when you guys begin, and again, you know, there might be some of you out there who physically, it might not be a good idea. You might have to talk to your doctor, but for most of you out there, you know, you're not, you can't use the excuse, well, I get hangry. Okay, you can't say that. I get in a bad mood when I don't eat. You know, people make a ton of excuses, and you look at them, and I hear it from people, and that, that, that seems pretty healthy. They're pretty, oh, I can't, I can't fast. Well, the Bible says you can. 
ask God to help you skip a meal, skip two meals. And, and if the Lord leads you, and again, it's something between you and him, and of course you can't do this for 40 solid days, but go a day without eating. Try going two days without eating. You know Mahatma Gandhi? He went 21 days for his purpose. What was his purpose? To free India. His purpose was demanding things, right? And, you know, you look at him. He, did, he fasted publicly uh, 17 times. So here's a man willing to do fasting for a lie. And why is it that sometimes Christians can't do it for the truth? I think that we need to be very careful. And as you fast a day and you take a whole day without eating and then the next day, and then the next day, it starts getting a little easier. Now, in this book, and another thing I would just encourage you, if you can, please get this book, God's Chosen Fast. Um, we, we have, when you guys sign up for this, uh, you can get the book for $10, and we're just charging you what we pay for it. We'll even pay for the, the tax and shipping. That's how much we want you to read it because it's so Bible-based. But in there, he'll tell you a lot of cool things that you need to learn about fasting, and he'll also tell you how to break a fast. Because if you go a day or two or three without eating, and then you say, man, I want some pizza, you're going to be in trouble, man. <laughs> the pizza's going to get you bad. And so he'll tell you things like that. But, but I, I pray that we would know that, you know, Jesus, he expects us to fast. You know, it, it says when you pray in, in Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 6, and then you get to chapter 7, and then when you give. These are things that are expected by him, and when you fast. When you look at the book of Acts, uh, chapter 13, it says that they were praying and fasting, and then the Holy Spirit said, uh, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have for them. And then it says later on in the same chapter, just a couple of verses down, that they prayed and fasted over them. You know, you go through the scriptures and you see them fasting. Paul the Apostle wrote that he fasted often. And sometimes it was involuntary. Uh, most of the time it was volitional. And so a lot of times people will say, well, I want God to use me like Paul the Apostle. Well, Jesus said when you fast, not if you fast. He said when you fast. So I have to ask myself a question. Manny, when do you fast? When do you fast? Oh, you know, I just haven't been led. It's been a long time. I remember one time I, I was just so blessed by a, an amazing brother. Uh, and I've known him for years, for years. This is the kind of guy that has been consistently loving, consistently humble, consistently used by God, but he it never got to his head. Always submissive, an amazing, amazing, amazing man. And there are only a handful of those guys that I know in my life. Amazing. And, and I always wondered, man, I wonder like, kind of like what the secret is or, or how it's done. And then I remember one day I gave him a big hug. And for whatever reason, I, like, I felt like the Holy Spirit s said to me, it's because he fasts. It's because he seeks the Lord. And I challenge you, you look through church history and you look at all the men, all the men who have been used by God, all the women who have been used by God in mighty ways, and you will find them always to be men of fasting. 
You know, John Wesley, who was a guy that was so in love with the Lord, he would never ordain men to the ministry unless he knew they were men who fasted. And so I just think that, unfortunately, what's happened is we've drifted a long way. We, you know, we hear about giving, and you guys, I think, man, we're blessed by the way you give. And I'm sure that we're praying. I, I'll bet almost anything, though, that a prayer life needs to improve. But I wonder if we're fasting. And, and so now, um, as we're fasting, I believe it'll bless our prayer life, and God will do a great work. It has to be approached with the right motive. It can't be approached with a legalistic thing or a burden or a religious thing or a pious thing. You know, um, you guys make sure that you don't have that attitude of a Pharisee. You know, Jesus said, don't be like the Pharisees because when they fast, they distort their faces. You know, they're like, oh, I'm, I'm so hungry. And, you know, they just want to be seen by men. Jesus said, no, when you fast, you anoint yourself and you look, you know, you look good and you go out there. And that way when your father, he sees in secret, he'll reward you openly. He will reward you. And I, I encourage you, as you're going through the fast, not to be weird. Uh, Chuck Smith, he, uh, he was so cool. He said one time he was fasting, and I don't know if he was doing like a visitation somewhere, and uh, there was a little lady that offered him some food. And, uh, and so, uh, he, you know, he didn't want to be like, well, I'm sorry, I'm fasting, you know, like be all self-righteous like that. You know, there will be certain situations where you have to be flexible, and God will allow you to eat. Um, we don't want to be weird, but we do want to be healthy. I was thinking about some of the guys during the fast are going to be going on vacation. Um, more than likely, they're not going to be fasting, right? They're going to be feasting, and that's okay, and God's going to bless. But, you know, um, I, I pray that we would seek God with all our hearts and that we would see the results of what happens when we fast. I want to give you guys a few recommendations as we go into this. Number one is the book. I really pray that you can get this book. And if you can't afford it, let us know and we'll give you one, okay? Number two, I pray that you would sign up for the emails. Uh, we're going to have a lot of content on these emails, a lot. I, I pray as time progresses, you're going to be hearing uh, a lot of cool things that we can't put on social media, um, but you're going to see the way the emails are set up. Connect with us if you haven't already, though, on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and stuff like that. And we're going to do some things there as well. And then I want to encourage you to maybe get a journal. Somehow journal the next 40 days of your life. You know, what's God showing you? What are the areas of your life that you're asking him to intervene in? Maybe people that you want him to save or touch or bless. But in the next 40 days, um, start journaling. You might be here as a guy and you're all like, you know, testosterone overload and you're like, man, well, guys don't journal. We don't have a diary. <laughs> I'll tell you what, some of the greatest saints, men of God throughout the ages have been men uh, who fast and journal. And so we got to make sure that we do this for the right reason. How many of you here are fasting to lose weight? I'm just curious. <laughs> Listen, you can't have that as your motive, right? And some people even nowadays, they have intermittent fasting where uh, it does benefit physically. And that sounds like the Lord because usually when the Lord tells us to do something, it's going to bless us in different ways. 
Benjamin Franklin said the best of all medicines is resting and fasting. Uh, one person said, who was the, one of the three fathers of Western medicine, everyone has a doctor in him. We just have to help him in his work. The natural healing force within each one of us is the greatest force in getting well. To eat when you are sick is to feed your sickness. So he talked about the benefits of fasting. And we're hearing that more today. Plato, who was a Greek philosopher, said, I fast for greater physical and mental efficiency. You know, we don't read a lot about fasting in the New Testament. We read it in the Gospels, we read it in the book of Acts, and we do have mentions by Paul to the Corinthians. But not a lot more than that. And I think part of the reason is because generally speaking, you don't publicize it when you fast. But Paul did say something to Timothy that was rather interesting. He talked about how oftentimes the people of this world, their God is their belly. Now, some say, well, no, he's talking about, you know, the ascetic diet. But others believe that something I think we can practically, you know, uh, ascribe to. You know, I, I, like I told you earlier, and I'll be the first to admit, my flesh loves Fritos. I love chips. I love dip. I love pizza. I love burritos. I love sausage. I, love, I mean, you can just go on and on. And after I have breakfast, once my stomach settles down a little bit, I'm thinking, okay, what's for lunch? And I tell you what, if I'm looking forward to a good dinner, oh, man, it just, it just brightens up your whole day, you know? I mean, don't you think that, especially here in America, when we talk about fast food, we're not talking about fasting. We're talking about give me some fast food and get, get, it, get it to me now. I, I think that if we're not careful that can happen to us. You see, what we want to do is we want to draw near to God and we want to draw near to hear and fear. You know, Second Chronicles 7.14 is a passage I shared with you earlier. It said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and heal their land. Psalm 69.10 says, When I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, that became my reproach. You know, if people might find out that you're fasting, or who knows, somehow a word gets out, you know, that becomes a reproach, and they'll scoff and scorn and jeer, and they'll try to humiliate you. Even the enemy might try to do that because, you know, you're trying to be holier than thou, they say. And, 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 the, and the answer is, no, that's not my motive. I will weep. I will chasten my soul because I want to see God move in a great and mighty way. You know, you read Isaiah 58, and I, I don't know, we don't have time to, to go into that chapter, but there, were, there was a time in Israel's history where they fasted, but they were still holding on to their sin, to their arguing, to their strife. Uh, to their selfishness, to their injustice, to all the things that they as a nation, the bloodshed, the murder. And so they were fasting, and then they were wondering, well, God, why aren't you answering our prayers? And you read the whole chapter of Isaiah 58, and God is just saying, it's because you're not living a holy life. And chapter 59 is just so clear, verse 1 and 2, it's not that my hand's not strong enough or I can't hear you. It's your sins have separated you from God so that he won't answer your prayers. So what God wants is fasting, yes. 
But as we're fasting, let there be a heart of holiness. Let there be a heart of sincerity. Let there be heart, a heart of, of faith. And I pray that as we're there, we see God move in a great way. You know, we fast for spiritual reasons. We want God's will and we want God's way. You know, number one, draw near to hear and fear. That's a tongue twister, huh? So, but, but I mean it. Draw near to hear and fear. Draw near to hear what God has to say to you, what marching orders he will say to you. And, and the fear is, is the holiness of God. Because I think that that's why people sin so much sometimes is because there is no fear of God in their life, no reverence, no awe. So draw near to hear and fear. Number two, draw, you, we want to fast to defeat demons, to defeat the demons who have been defeating you and your family. And so we want to draw near to hear and fear, and we want to you know, fast in order to defeat the demons who oftentimes are defeating us and our family. They have a stronghold. It could be oppression. It could be possession. I just got a phone call uh, or a message the other day from an individual here in Almani whose house is manifesting the demonic presence. And so they want us to go down there. But we can't go down there without the power of the Holy Spirit. You remember Matthew 17, 21, when the apostles couldn't cast out the demon that was in this boy? Remember? The Lord uh, came down and he was able to cast that, that demon out. The Lord was a little frustrated with the apostles. He said, how long must I bear with you, you perverse generation? He was frustrated with them. And, and, and he told them, well, they're like, well, Lord, why couldn't we cast out the demon? And he said, this kind does it come out except through prayer and fasting. And so that's why we're being obedient. Lord, we want to hear and near and fear we want to defeat demons that have been defeating us and our families you know i want you to turn to the the book of wow you know what we don't have enough time i'm going to tell you guys the story in judges 19 and 20 and then we'll look at a couple of verses but in the book of judges chapter 19 we have a story of a man who went to um bethlehem and he got a concubine and you know, he brought her to his home in Ephraim, uh, which is in the northern portion of Israel. And his concubine left him, and she went out, and she started sinning sexually. She was unfaithful to him. She played the harlot. So um, the man went to Bethlehem searching for her to speak kind words to her, to bring her back to him. And it's an interesting story. When you read it, what ends up happening is... Um, uh, you know, the, the concubine comes back to the man, and the man is ready to take her home. But the father of the girl doesn't want them to leave right away. So what ends up happening is they delay one day, and then they delay another day. And then finally he says, you know what, I can't go. I, have to, I can't stay. I have to go. And so he goes, and it's getting dark. And so when he's there with his concubine and with his servant, they're saying, hey, you should stay here because it's getting dark. And he's all, I don't want to stay here. I want to go farther. They end up going to uh, the Jebusite city, which eventually would be Jerusalem. It's an interesting thing when you read the whole area there. And I, I can't say too much because the children are here. But um, 
what ends up happening is the men of the city, they want to, to know him carnally. That, that, that man that came from Ephraim, the men of the city are, are, are assertive, um, aggressive homosexuals. And so what ends up happening is back then, and you guys know the same story that happened with Lot, to them homosexuality was so evil. And I know this sounds horrible. It was so evil. They said, no, don't do that. You know, take, you know, I, I can't say too much, but take, you know, someone else. And they ended up killing her. So what the man did is he dismembered her and he, t and he sent her to all the tribes of, of Israel. Just to give you an idea of what's going on, how evil it was then and how evil this, all that's going on, this rainbow stuff that's going on, how evil it is now. Now, so um, what ended up happening was all Israel came and they said, hey, Benjamin, you guys are the ones that have done this. You need to give up the men who committed the crime. And, you know, they said no. And so long story short, you had 400,000 men of Israel and you had 26,700 men of Benjamin. And they, they prayed. They prayed, hey, God, should we go and fight them? And God said, you know, go ahead and go. And so they went. And uh, I tell you what, they got, they got beat up. Um, let's turn there real quick to Judges chapter 20. And, and believe you me, this story is worth it. It's, I know it's like, you're like, Manny, it's a long one, but it, it's worth it. You got you to gotta see what happens here. In Judges chapter 20, in verse 13, Now therefore deliver up the men, the perverted men who are in Gibeah, that we may put them to death and remove the evil from Israel. But the children of Benjamin would not listen to the voice of their brethren, the children of Israel. Instead, the children of Benjamin gathered together from their cities to Gibeah to go to battle against the children of Israel. And from their cities at that time, the children of Benjamin numbered 26,000 men who drew the sword besides the inhabitants of Gibeah, who numbered 700 select men. Among all this were 700 select men who were left-handed. Everyone could sling a stone and a hair's breadth and not miss. Now besides Benjamin, the men of Israel numbered 400,000 men who drew the sword. All of these were men of war. And so think about it for a second. You have 400,000 men against 26,700. And so you figure the 400,000 would win, right? But look what happens. Then the children of Israel arose and went up to the house of God to inquire of God. And they said, Which of us shall go up to first to battle against the children of Benjamin? And the Lord said, Judah first. And so notice there they're praying. So the children of Israel rose in the morning and camped against Gibeah. And the men of Israel went out to battle against Benjamin. And the men of Israel put themselves in battle array to fight against them at Gibeah. Then the children of Benjamin came out of Gibeah and on that day cut down to the ground 22,000 men of the Israelites. And so, so what's God saying there? What do you see there? A huge, a huge defeat. I mean, huge. And so we read next in verse uh, 
22 and the people that is the men of Israel encouraged themselves and again formed the battle line at the place where they had put themselves in array on the first day and then the children of Israel went up notice this time and they wept before the Lord until evening and asked counsel of the Lord saying shall I again draw near for battle against the children of my brother Benjamin and the Lord said go up against him and so the first time they prayed second time they're praying they're crying they're crying so the children of Israel approached the children of Benjamin on the second day and Benjamin went out against them from Gibeah on the second day and cut down to the ground 18,000 more of the children of Israel. All these drew the sword. Imagine that. 22,000, 18,000, 40,000 men are dead and you've been praying and you've been praying and crying. Defeat. Defeat. But then we read in verse 26, Then all the children of Israel, that is, all the people went up and came to the house of God and wept. They sat there before the Lord and what? Fasted. That day until evening. And they offered burn offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. Now, what you see when you read the scriptures is that this third time, they didn't just pray, they didn't just pray and cry, they also fasted and they also offered up this burnt offering and the peace offering. Now the burnt offering you guys know is when you would take your sacrifice to the tabernacle or temple and you give everything. You don't get anything back. You take that sacrifice and it all gets burned up. And what that is is when you come to God and you're not holding back anymore. There's no secret sins in your life anymore. There's nothing that you're holding on to anymore. You give it all to him. That's the burnt sacrifice. And that's when we start seeing God move. And then the peace offering is an interesting sacrifice. It's when you would take a portion of your sacrifice and you would give some and they would offer it to the Lord and you would give some to the, the priest and then you'd also have some of that meat for yourself and then you had to eat it there. And so what that's symbolic of is fellowship with God. So the, the first two times, praying's cool. I mean, I want to stand for righteousness, and they encouraged themselves, and they cried. But the third time, they fasted. Why? Because they're dealing with these demons that are different. They're beyond the norm, beyond what we've ever experienced. And you know, you go your whole life and boom, that's as far as you go because you never really cultivate that heart to fast and to offer the burnt sacrifice where you give it all to God and that peace offering where you truly, honestly fellowship with God where you're hearing him and he's hearing you now, when you read the book, and it's a really great book, even in the very beginning, you're going to see something interesting. Because I told you guys that, you know, fasting, in one sense, it's like you're running the race, but then there are those times where you make the move. It's a little extra, right? A little extra effort. But I also want to make sure I give you the other parallel, is that it's not just like running harder, but in one sense, it's also like resting, more in the book you're going to see in the very beginning she says come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden jesus said that she quotes that out of matthew 11 28 through 30 and i will give you rest because we're too busy doing things we're too busy in life we don't have enough time to give to god to slow down and say god speak to me and rest 
And that's why the fellowship offering is so important. Well, yeah, I serve in the ministry and I have responsibilities at work and all that kind of stuff and family. And listen, man, none of that's going to be anything that God wants it to be unless you have quality time with God. Because the church waits for the voice of the one who has penetrated the veil and gazed with inward eye upon the wonder who is God. We have to make sure we've gone into the holiest of holies. And when they did this, you know, God gave them the victory. And it's so cool the way that the Bible clearly gives God the glory. So the children of Israel inquired in verse 27 of the Lord. The Ark of the Covenant of God was there in those days. And Phinehas, the son of uh, Eleazar, the son of Aaron, stood before it in those days, saying, Shall I yet again go out to battle against the children of my brother Benjamin? Or shall I cease? And the Lord said, Go up, for tomorrow I will deliver them into your hand. And that's what God did. When the nation was at that place, and listen, homosexuality, just in case you think, well, man, he's you know, harping on that sin. It's not the worst sin. Pride is bad. Covetousness will keep you out of the kingdom of God. Lying is a language of Lucifer. I mean, sin is sin. Okay, we're not better than them because our sin is different than them. All I'm saying is that that shows us, when that's blatant and open and the way it is today, that shows us where we are in the eyes of God, where we are as a society, what kind of demons we're fighting, and what kind of weapons are required not just i mean i you guys probably know this most of the church is not loving the lord the way they should most of the church not going to him they're not praying they're not praying and crying when they pray much less fasting much less offering the burnt offering much less offering the fellowship offering and this is why god is calling us to this i mean this is the end of the world I mean, if we're not going to fast now, will we ever fast? I pray that God would put this in our heart. You know, when you look at this in Judges, and I didn't even have time to go there, it was a time when there was no king. You read it in the very beginning of Judges chapter 19. There was no king in the land. And, and you know, that's where we're at. There's, there, the, there's no king you know, and again, we need to get the right guys and people in there in political places. I believe that it was an instrumental uh, uh, in the history of Israel when they had a godly leader. But we don't just need um, a leader that's human. We need Jesus to be our king. And that's what we see here. That's the answer. Israel's war with the Benjamites teaches us these things. So number one, we're fasting to draw near to hear and fear. Number two, we're fasting to defeat the demons who have been defeating us and our families. Number three, we are fasting to deliver our nation through salvation and legislation. Because the election happens on November 3rd, huh? Wouldn't it be cool if God showed us mercy? Wouldn't it be cool if God put rulers in there who understood the sanctity of life? 
You know, wouldn't it be awesome if uh, God had mercy on this land and overturned Roe versus Wade? Wouldn't it be in awesome? You know, if the church, our church, and then I'm sure there are other churches, everybody's praying and fasting and seeking God. You know, we have to fight for our nation. You know, when you read the scriptures, one last thing before we close. Um, you know, you might be wondering, well, why 40 days? And I don't know. No, I'm just joking. I don't. You know, you could do it any amount of days if you want to. Um, but when you, when you start reading 40 in the Bible, it, it's pretty interesting. Um, a lot of the 40 has to do with judgment. Huh. You guys know that, right? How many days did it rain, rain when God flooded the earth? 40 days and 40 nights. You know, the standard punishment was 40 lashings, right? When you look at those things. When the children of Israel went in and spied the land, you remember? In Numbers chapter 13, and they, they came back with a bad report. They said, hey, we can't do it. God made them wander in the wilderness for how long? For 40 years. But then when you start looking at other aspects of the scriptures, you start looking at someone like Moses or Elijah or Jesus. These are guys that fasted for how long? For 40 days. Moses did it twice. It was 40 days. And I think that in one sense, that 40 day of seeking God, the 40 days of fasting, um, we see it with Elijah, we see it with Jesus. Now the interesting thing about Jesus it says that the devil tempted him 40 days. So not only was he fasting, but every single day. It wasn't just the end. It was every single day the devil tempted him. And you're going to get tempted too in different ways. You're going to get tempted. They're going to, someone just brings a Krispy Kreme donuts right when you think you're having a good day. <laughs> I'm just joking. It'll be much worse than that. Believe you me. But um, as we see the judgment that we deserve and looming and on its way, and we're already in the middle of some of it, I think that when you see, you know, the 40 lashings that Jesus experienced f for us, and when you see the judgment that he averted for us, I think the 40 days is a, is a great thing for us to be able to experience. It's not when, but if we fast. It's not if we fast, but when we fast. And so I pray that this would be what God calls us to as a church. It's kind of cool, like I said, if you guys can sign up for that thing, it, it kind of lets us know that we're not alone. And there's just something about knowing that you're not alone. Um, you got the Lord, but then you got your brothers and sisters with you that help it. Um, how, it makes it a little easier, huh? So when we're fasting and praying, make sure you're praying for each other. And as you're journaling and as you're, you're experiencing things, who knows, maybe we'll interview you or we'll, maybe you can write a little something. These are things that God's showing you. I pray that it would be uh, uh, something that we do together as we're seeking the Lord. You know, the other day I was talking to someone and, uh, and we were talking about the 40 days of fasting and it was interesting the way they worded it. I don't even know if for sure if this is the way it was intended, but if it was, it's commendable. But the individual said, hey, it's 40 days till the decision. Till the decision. 
and it, and it, and, it, and I thought about it, and I was like, wow, I probably wouldn't have worded it that way. You know, 40 days till the election, or 40 days till the results. But I like the way it was worded, 40 days till the decision. Because ultimately, whose decision is it? It's God's, huh? And if he sees us praying, if, we see, if he sees us fasting, if we see us seeking him with all our heart, burnt offerings, now that's what belongs in the peace offerings. He may have mercy in our land. But no matter what, November 3rd, because if you start on Friday, the fa the f November 3rd is the 40th day. So I'm thinking, well, you're going to have to fast also, at least breakfast and lunch. And then hopefully, in dinner time, we'll hear some good results. But if not, if chaos breaks out, if, you know, things start getting burned down and craziness happens, to me, it's always cool to know, because sometimes that happens even when we're praying. It's always good to know, but I gave this to God. I really, truly, honestly, with clean hands, we gave it to him. And really, and I was listening to Pastor Chuck today, and I'll close with this. He was talking about a, a lot of these things, believe it or not, in Isaiah chapter 1 and 2. And if you listen to that study, the 3000 series, he says, when we start talking about the judgment of God, in one sense, it should make you happy because that means that Jesus is coming. I tell you what, that does make me happy. Amen?